Hello and welcome to Dependus Blaining, your favorite podcast ever for your true crime, murdery stories and Meads? entertainment. I don't fucking know. It like I started to go and it fell off onto a cliff. I it had an excellent climax and then we just kind of plateaued. Yeah. It just fell hard. I'm Jen. Hi, Jen. <laughs> I'm Veronica. Hi, and, Veronica. And we are your friendly neighborhood podcasters on the podcast that you're listening to right now. It's called The mm-hmm. Explaining. In case you in case know. you forgot. Yeah. So sorry. No. Um, Jen, how's your day? It's good. Great. It's good. Yeah. Tiring. I just is. I just busy. February is about to be over with, and I've just been. Yeah. It's just stuff. Just stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and I love it. I like. I like being busy. I like having things to do, but then I also am like overwhelmed because I'm always forgetting what's coming next. Always. Yes. Again, my time management skills. I told you guys this already. Really <laughs> terrible. H- horrible. I have a planner. I write things down, but um, still forget them. So here we are. That's me. I have a problem. Hello, my name is Problem. Yeah. <laughs> I've got 99 of them. Probably more, actually. <laughs> I'm sure. I got 99 <laughs> problems, and they're all reminders on my phone. <laughs> they, it's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly. That's, yes. That's 100% it. They're all reminders that I just snooze. And then forget about. Yes. I've been trying to bring in canned goods into the classroom since last week. And I have the reminder on my phone. And I remember, okay, I'll, I'll remember today. Like, I'll remember to pack up canned goods for the donation. Um, and nope, it's been over a week now. And here we are, me sitting on a bunch of cans in my pantry that I don't <laughs> need. So, yeah. It's, it's hard. Yes, it is. But other things, I just have to have reminders on my phone constantly. Like alarms be like i know i'm going to be doing this at this time so i need to remind myself about that right now like (laughs) or else i'm going to forget yeah yeah it's true i try to do that i write notes to myself especially when i'm at work i always write notes and i have like alarms set for when like specials are and different things but Mm -hmm. that's about it (laughs) that's the extent of that of that i i just can't i don't know my brain just doesn't like to remind me on its own you know what you're doing fine jen it's okay don't beat yourself up for it there's plenty of more things down the road where we're gonna screw up really hard and it's that i will forget yes i will will forget until the very last minute or someone messages me and and is like oh hey by the way are you coming to blah 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 and be like oh yep be right there yep yeah i will yep i'll see you in 15 minutes oh my god I didn't forget. No, of course not. I mm. know. Right before the holidays, I had an incident like that where we were going to go over to somebody's house and the kids were going to do like a gift exchange. And I knew that there was like it had been talked about, but I guess I fell off somewhere in the group chat where I missed the part where my kids got assigned their their secret Santas. And I showed up to the party empty-handed other than the snacks that i was bringing and they're like where's your gift and i was like what and they're like yeah and i was like oh my gosh i'm i feel terrible like i did i missed it i was like and i was like you guys didn't tell me you guys didn't tell me they're like we did and i was like where is it because i did not see that message and like somebody had to scroll through days and days of text messages on this group chat to show me and i was like well i'm the asshole i know i am and i was like i have cash (laughs) I was like, I have cash. <laughs> All kids love cash, right? Um, and it yep. was fine. One of my friends bailed me out. She's like, I have a bunch of stuff that I was going to donate. I was like, okay. <laughs> She's like, I was like, I was like, I seriously have cash. So I did that, but I felt awful. And uh, there's there's another incident. I can't remember what it was. Along the lines of that same thing where I was like, don't like, you can't tell me in the group chat, like, because I'm at work when all this activity is going on. And I miss it. Mm-hmm. Like, send me a text message when something is significant like that. I felt awful. I still do. Yeah. Well, that's the pro- That's the hard thing with group chats, though, too, because they get, like, lost. If you're not, like, mm-hmm. up on top of them right away, like you said, yeah, I'm at work. So a lot of the times when I'm in a group chat, 
things get lost and I have to literally scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll just yeah. to find where the beginning of the chat from the morning From the morning, happened. yeah. It's hours of, of this chat if they're very active on it that day. And I was like, I, like, yeah. I can't respond to you guys right now. My mom the other day called me to wish me happy birthday the day after my birthday. <laughs> and <laughs> she's my mother. Um, but she was calling me, calling me, calling me. And I was like, dude, like, I'm at work. I can't pick up. And finally, I, like, picked up. And she's like, hi. And I was like, mom, I'm at work. Like, you know that she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. And I was like, did you? <laughs> did you? <laughs> It's like, because you called me last week and I told you I was at work. So, but it's all right. I love them. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. This is Dependent Explaining, a true crime podcast where we also tell you about our life and everything that happens. (laughs) You don't want to hear about it. Listen to us babble. We don't really care if you want to know or not. It's just here. Yeah. And it's, it, the entertainment before you get to your murder right okay? but if you want us to babble about you or or with you or if you have something for us to babble about you can reach out to us at dependesplaining at gmail.com send us your emails and then emails did you hear me where'd that come from email god i love that emails jenna yeah (laughs) sorry <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. My southern accent. I'm turning into Kyle. Kyle gets a southern accent every time he's on the phone. I don't know where he gets it from. <laughs> Anyways, um, or reach out to us as well on uh, the the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter, and rate and subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. Yes, thank you very Do much. D- that could be a fun little if um. If anybody wants to, you we could do a little mini segment of uh, babble with the dependas. Yeah, Ooh. you're welcome. We can give you advice. Yeah, on anything or just chat, mm-hmm. vent, you know about produce. Yes, or any shit. any other military related <laughs> topic. Uh, some yeah. sort of an some sort of complaint, venting, unpopular opinion that you may have. I want. Oh, I want to hear. Yeah. It. I want to hear it. I want to yeah. hear it. I want to hear it. Do it. And if you want to be on the podcast, too, tell us because we'll do it. Yes. We'll set it up. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Do you have okay. anything else to Great. catch us up on, Jen, before we get started? Because I have I, I do not. I am done. I, I am shutting my trap. I am ready to hear your story. I want to know. You shut your I'm trap excited. when you're talking to me. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I shall not because I will have commentary as you talk, but it's fine. <laughs> yes, you will. Okay. So I will be covering the uh, sinking of the USS Indi- Indianapolis. And I got um, all my resources from Britannica.com, Wikipedia, archive.boston.com, YouTube, and a documentary I found on IMDb that was told by the survivors of this shipwreck. Ooh. So. Cool. Come on this journey with me, everybody. Let's go. Ready? Let's do it. July 30th, 1945, the USS Indianapolis, a 610-foot heavy cruiser, departs Guam on its way to Leyte for a training exercise. The ship that was once known and probably still is as the fastest in its fleet was proceeding with caution because visibility was not great. Uh, But just 15 minutes after midnight, the ship is struck on the starboard side by two torpedoes from a Japanese submarine. What followed next was five days of struggle for survival and a true test to one's faith. So this ship launched in 1931 during peacetime, but the Navy put it to use for training purposes and was even used as a cruise ship when Roosevelt visited South America on his uh, good neighbor campaign among a few other diplomatic events that he attended. Uh, So the USS Indianapolis played a very important role in the battle of pretty much the Pacific. So most importantly, Tarawa, Kwajalein, Kwajalein? I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Yap, Ulithi, and Saipan. Fun fact, I used to live on Ulithi Drive when I lived in Guam. Fun fact, people. 
Um, so it defended and it defended the Pacific and as well, like it also shot down enemy aircraft as well. So it didn't just defend it, but well, I mean, yeah, it protected it. So on board the ship on July 30th, 1945, were nearly 1,200 Marines and sailors. These were young men, young gen, like 17, 18, 19 years old, like young, right? Babies. Babies. Oh, my gosh. Young, out of boot camp or, you know, training or whatever you, you would call it back then. They were teens. They were teens. And they're making like $18 a month, according to these survivors that they interviewed. Oh, wow. And I mean, yeah. And these these guys joined with the promise of seeing the world. You know, that's yeah. how that was, that was the propaganda back then. It was like, see the world. And there's like pretty girls on the posters. <laughs> so of course, they're like, heck, yeah. So some of them didn't even have the proper training and they were expected to learn on the ship. So it was very hands on. Some of them didn't even know how to swim. And they're like, we're going to put you on the ship. <laughs> uh, in oh, the water. no. Oh, yes. no. Um, so just weeks before the end of world, um, the end of World War Two, the ship was actually struck. It was hit by a kamikaze off the coast of Okinawa. So nine men and nine men were killed and about 30 were wounded. It had hit the top side, like the top side of the ship and it like dropped down through the deck. Like it just shot down into the deck and it detonated the bomb that it was carrying. Like the, the aircraft was carrying a bomb and it dropped down through the deck when it crashed into it and it detonated it, killed nine men, wounded about 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now the ship is damaged and it's, you know, it had just, it's out to, it's in, it's in the sea right now because they, um, so they, they send it, they send it to San Francisco. It departs Okinawa and they send it to San Francisco for repairs because that's where the Navy shipyard is at the mo at that time. So they get to the Navy shipyard, they fix it, and then they're directed to pick up cargo at Hunter's Point. Hunter's Point is a Navy shipyard located just southeast of the bay. They picked up this cargo, which was very suspicious. Nobody was told what was in it. Everyone speculated, and there was rumors going around the ship, which was really funny. And they were all really curious, like, what is this? And some of them were like, was it whiskey? <laughs> was it like Cadillac parts? And some even joked that it was 20,000 rolls of toilet paper for the captain of the ship. <laughs> so it's like nobody knew because it was... um. They had like these two big canisters that were just kind of like, oh, these these are weird looking canisters and they were on the bottom of the ship. And then the top of the ship was a really fancy looking crate, like really, really um, well-made wooden crate. And they're like, what's in the crate? Like, that's what it was. Like, what was in the crate? So what they didn't know, the canisters that were on the ship were actually carrying uranium. And what was in the crate was the shell for the little boy. Do you know what that is, little boy? No. That was the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Oh, yeah. So they carried the components okay. from San Francisco to Tinian, where it was delivered. And then from there, they dropped it on Hiroshima just a few weeks later. So they played a hmm. large component of that. Interesting. Yes. Wow. So after they after they drop off the bomb components in Tinian, they proceed to Guam. And then from there, they were on they're on their way to uh Leyte. But no one had informed them that there is submarines nearby, Japanese submarines, and they were hit by the by the torpedoes. So the submarine actually sent six torpedoes towards the ship two of them striking the first torpedo tore off the bow of the ship and then some of the sailors were sleeping outside it was really hot obviously in that area if anybody is currently there or has ever been there can remember just the heat and how miserable you can be at night without air conditioning so the guys slept on the like the open part of the ship and um some of them remember being like tossed up in the air 
up to like just like two feet up in the air after it hit and then coming down and seeing a fireball some of them were uh, were actually on fire like the one of them mentions how his hair and his eyebrows were completely gone because he like flew into the fireball like it caught him on fire yeah and so the second torpedo hit the aviation gasoline and caught fire and it burned men alive so now you have the ship is is totally damaged all communication on the ship was out there was no way to instruct on what to do so the captain had no way of communicating to his men what to do all these guys are they're like running for their lives it's chaos on the ship they're some of them are yelling to get off the boat to abandon ship some of them were trying to save others and some it was just chaos so they began to like some of them began to like cut the life jackets free of the ship because the ship began to roll on its side like it had taken on water and it was rolling on its side so the captain is instructing everyone to abandon ship but again he's yelling it among the chaos and like the sound of the like the the explosion and all that who can hear him but he's yelling and it it starts you know like everyone's yelling just get off get off the ship so they do some of them say like they just like walked off the ship because it was like had tilted so much they were able just to like walk off into the water um some of them had like they jumped uh straight into the oil that the ship was spilling already they jumped into the oil it burned their eyes you know rendered them blind for a bit and then uh i guess once it like goes down your throat it makes you throw up right away and as the ship is going down the back end of the ship was in the air picture it kind of like titanic and men mm-hmm. were still like popping out from the under the water like they were one of the survivors says how the ship was sticking out and there was just like they were coming out like ants like they were floating up to the surface like ants because there were still men in the ship inside it 880 men were left adrift floating in open water they think that about 300 men went down with the ship, like in, still in the ship. And so these 880 men were left adrift, floating in open water. Most of them were badly wounded. Most of the ones that were badly wounded died within like the first few hours. Many of them didn't know how to swim. Wow. Like I said. That's right. Early. Yeah. They didn't know how to swim. So they were struggling some of them said we learned how to swim that day or you know some of them or unfortunately drowned yeah yeah gosh oh my gosh oh and you think about all the little little babies that you just told us about too that were so brand new and just itty bitty young guys not knowing what to do yeah let alone to be, you know, in for a while and then have to deal with this too. Not something that you're ever really, I mean, you can prepare, but you, I don't feel like you ever really know until it actually happens, you know. For that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now, some of them, I think there was like two life rafts that floated around and they were able to get their hands on that. Some of them found cargo nets that served as floating devices too, so they hung on to those. Whatever they could find, they would hang on to. Some of them um, would find every now and then like, like food or something and they would hang on to that too. Like spam, you know, cans yeah. of spam, stuff yeah. like that. They were so confident though that a search was going to happen, right? Because they were supposed to be at T- in Tinian in a, within a few hours. And so they're like, someone heard our distress signals. They're going to come find us. Like, they're going to come rescue us. We, they can't just leave us here. The men that were floating around, they endured dehydration. They suffered burns from the ship, sunburns, and succumbed to their injuries and hypothermia. They were praying for rain because they were so thirsty. They were so thirsty to the point and so dehydrated to the point where like your tongue will swell from dehydration. Yeah. And some of them would take on seawater, which we all know is don't drink seawater, which it'll just make everything worse. First of all, it's going to make you sick. And then it just makes it worse because it's salt water. 
with the salt water, with uh, drinking so much salt water, you, you go crazy. Like you start hallucinating things. We'll come back to that. Anyways, so every time um, a man would go down in the water or, you know, die, someone would try to collect their dog tags. So they mm. had a collection of these dog tags. They tried to stay away from anyone who was bleeding because sharks were starting to circle in schools. Like oh in schools, my God. One of the survivors said it was so bad that he pretty much walked on top of the sharks' backs. Like on their backs. <gasps> like because there were so many of them. Yeah. They lost That's 20 terrifying. men. They lost 20 men just on the first day. Just on the first day oh to shark gosh. attacks. Yeah, and like just they were just sharks being plucked out of the water, huh? <gasps> oh my gosh, from the sharks! Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they were just being plucked out of the water. Like they'd be in a group, and you'd just see them go down. Oh, yeah. They started. They first started on the ones that were injured and bleeding, um, and then when those were gone, they would move on to the ones that were still alive, fighting for their lives. So here's this interesting part. Because where is rescue, right? We're all waiting for rescue. The headquarters of Commander Marianas on Guam and of the uh, Commander Philippine Sea Frontier on Leyte kept operations, operations plotting boards. So like um, to see like where all the vessels were, like what position the vessels were at that time. When Indianapolis was due to arrive, it was assumed that ships as large as Indianapolis would reach their destination on time. And they had an ETA of um, 1100. So they let, they, they were, the ship went down at midnight, just after midnight. And so they were supposed to be in Leyte around this time at 1100, right? So, but it never arrived. arrived. It was assumed that the ship would arrive at that destination on time unless reported otherwise. Therefore, their positions were based on predictions and not on reports. So on July 31st, when she should have, the ship, when she should have arrived at Leyte, Indianapolis was removed from the board in the headquarters of Commander Marianas. When it was removed, whoever came in and took that shift, was, the shift was like, oh, okay, it's been removed, that means it arrived. So nobody worried about it. Nobody worried about it. It was like the ship has already arrived. They just assumed they had gone on to its training, which was they were supposed to do training once they arrived in Leyte. What? Yeah. Oh, so That's terrible. Yes. So now in the first official statement, the Navy said the distress calls were keyed by radio operators and possibly were actually transmitted. In the documentary that I, that I saw, they, they had asked one of the survivors about uh, sending the distress signal and they one of the whoever was in charge of sending the distress signal assured them that they had sent a distress signal that they had done everything that they were supposed to they saw it go off however that works i don't know there's some sort of gauge on the ship that shows you if it was sent off or not and it was however declassified records later showed that three stations received the signals but no one acted upon the call one commander was drunk another had his men not to disturb him and a third thought it was a japanese trap like oh, there was geez. a trap yeah so nobody responded to that reminds me a lot of when the titanic went down i mm -hmm. think it was a similar situation like two different ships or like a few different ships that were within five mile radius. And I think like it happened like that. They sent out the distress signal. One of them was like, don't bother me. <laughs> the other one was like, eh, I'm just ignoring everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So at this point, no one knows it went down. Nobody knows it went down. Right. They were expected to arrive. They, they assumed they arrived. Nobody checked. <laughs> it's crazy. So now the men that are, again, remember I told you about the saltwater crazy? Yeah. So these men are struggling really bad and they start going saltwater crazy and they start fighting each other. Some of them like were um, pulling weapons on other people and like fighting because they're going crazy and they were killing each other. 
Um, no. Yes. Not only that, they're they're imagining like islands, and they begin to swim away from each other, and you know they drown on the way, and some just gave up and killed themselves. They couldn't deal with it. They had been there for four days at this time. Four days they floated, just adrift in open water. I mean, Ugh, they didn't I all stay imagine. together. They didn't all stay together in a group because it was like 900 men. They were like yeah. scattered throughout the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So they had seen airplanes go by. But of course, they're going to look teeny tiny in the water. No one's going to notice them. However, on this day, on the fourth day, they were seen by an aircraft. Um, Lieutenant Wilbur Gwynn was flying around 8,000 feet. Clear day, calm ocean, and he spotted them. He spotted them. He's like, what am I looking at? He didn't know, obviously, that the ship had gone down, but he spotted men in the water. And so he immediately radios all ships nearby and orders them at flank speed in the, like to come and rescue these survivors. They were scattered over a 25 uh, square foot mile area. So that's a lot. Like, <laughs> that's a lot. First to arrive was an amphibious aircraft uh, flown by Lieutenant Commander Robert Adrian Marks. Marks and his flight crew also spotted the survivors, and he had standing orders to not land the aircraft, even though it was like you could, you could land it um, in the water, and he was told not to. However, he took like a vote from his crew and they're like we we got to save these people like we got to do something we can't just fly over them and let them die so he he landed he landed his plane in the water good yeah and at at this time now the there's 12 foot swells so they the survivors that were close to it start climbing the aircraft for safety and they can't all fit on the airplane so what he does he the captain has them all on the wing. He spreads them all out across the wings of the airplane, ties them down with parachutes so they don't fall off the aircraft while, you know, with these 12-foot swells. The ones that were further away from the airplane, they saw the airplane, and so they decided to swim towards it, but some of them drowned on their way because it was just, like, too much. I mean, 12-foot swells, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and about 50 men, it's said about 50 men died trying to get to the airplane. For safety. Now, more more planes began to fly by and drop cases of water, which busted immediately as soon as they hit the water, which is so disappointing. Some of them would just watch this water fall and it would, like, bust open. And so they couldn't drink the water. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with, like, rubber rafts. A lot of them were lost. Uh, but, you know, they, they were trying their best and they were taking precautions when dropping these items so they wouldn't hit the survivors. So now it's getting dark. There are still survivors out there. You know, they can't get to the plane. They can't get on the plane for whatever, you know, because there's so many people on there. So it gets dark and they see the USS Doyle breaking through the darkness. It has a spotlight. The spotlight was not a good idea at the moment because, you know, there's enemy submarines around. They don't want to call attention to each other. Mm -hmm. But the captain of the ship was like, fuck this i'm shining my spotlight like i don't care like we need to give these men hope they need to know that we are here to rescue them and if we die trying to rescue them at least we tried that you know so he they keep the spotlight on they get men on the ship as many as they can and they transfer like the the men that were on the airplane to the ship and they sunk the airplane i'm not sure why the airplane sunk i don't know if it like just wasn't going to work anymore or i don't know but they sunk it uh so five ships in the area they started they started coming in to pick up more survivors some of the survivors were covered in oil from because when they landed in the oil so some of them were still covered in oil and they like they were getting them on the ships some of the men on the ships had to jump off the ship to get these men on the ship that were so weak and they just couldn't like they had no strength to get on some of the survivors are describing um what they saw and they had been in the water for so long that their their flesh started to separate ah yeah 
can you imagine just like decomposing flesh on them like it was just so soft that it just started to separate so they had to be really careful when lifting these these survivors out of the water to not injure them because it's like you're peeling their skin off while they're still alive Mm -hmm. so they had to be really mindful with that it was scary i mean they were they were in the water for five days at this point it's the next day five days no food no water no sleep oh my gosh I don't know how you would I can't do. imagine. How could you, yeah, could you even imagine, like, just floating around? The ocean already freaks me out as it is, like, going, just even just walking into it, being like, sometimes we're like, I can't see what's under me. It's the unknown, yeah. I don't, don't want to know. Uh, oh, God, could you imagine just, like, fighting for your life? That terrifies me. I just think so that's, scary. yeah, just thinking about that is so scary. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So oh. the men were transferred on, like, multiple ships to get them the help they needed. So it was like this ship transferred it to that ship and that ship transferred it to that ship and so on and so on to get the help they needed until they got to, like, a a, a Navy uh, hospital ship. Was that a thing? A hospital ship. <laughs> a hospital boat. Like I said, they had been scattered all over and multiple ships rescued the survivors. They were happy to see other survivors. Like they had seen so much loss in the ocean that they were so happy to see each other. Like, oh my gosh, like you made it. I'm so I'm so happy and grateful that you made it. So that must have been a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Of the 880 men that were adrift, only 316 survived. Mm. Yeah. The number of deaths attributed to shark ranges from just a dozen to 150. It is still the largest shark casualty known ever in the history. Wow. 150 in just a matter of days. Like Mm -hmm. I said, in the first day, it was like 20 men that they lost. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You said 20 in one day. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. They were, some of them were so injured the they died on the way to the hospital or just shortly after arriving one of the survivors in the documentary that i watched describes pulling a survivor out of the water and realizing his lower half is completely gone oh my god because a shark got him so <gasps> yeah it it was just is the scariest thing <laughs> so scary so now the survivors Once they got to the hospital, they were not allowed to tell anyone of the disaster until it was officially announced by proper chains for the sake of the families back home. So some of them had to write letters home like nothing had happened. They couldn't mention where they were. They couldn't mention what was happening. Nothing. It had to be like nothing had happened for this just to, to be able so people the people that needed to tell the you know the families of that their loved ones were lost they didn't want word to get out for that reason so now while these men are recovering in guam they found out that the war was over with the drop of the hiroshima bomb just a few weeks later this caused the surrender of japan so they found out while they were in the hospital it was all over splashed all over the newspapers and then in very small print it informed that the USS Indianapolis had sunk. So it was uh. like this major event and another major event that overshadowed one that was, you know, very important as well. A pretty big deal, yeah. Yeah. So when the families were informed, uh, they they were told that they were MIA, uh, presumed missing at sea as well as what they were told the families instead of saying like you know for those that didn't know that they didn't have remains it's like mia presumed missing at sea yeah so now with this incident that happened there was like a board of inquiry to investigate to see what happened where where something went wrong the captain was court-martialed on two charges with two charges so the first one was that he failed to give proper abandoned ship order. 
but that was cleared because there was no way of him communicating that other than just to the, as loud as he could yell on the ship. Um, so that was cleared. And the other 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 one, the <laughs> the other one was um, that he failed to zigzag. I guess he was supposed to be sailing the ship in a zigzag pattern, and the zigzag pattern was supposed to avoid a hazard like a torpedo. Mm, So now during the trial, during the trial, they also talked to um, Captain Hashimoto, which was the captain of the submarine that um, fired the torpedoes. And he said that zigzagging would have done nothing, would have made no difference and may have avoided just one torpedo, but he would have locked on with the other. But he sent off six torpedoes. So who knows if like he would have even been hit more because he was zigzagging. Mm, that's true yeah so yeah so Hashimoto said there was it didn't make a difference so again he was cleared of the charges of failing to order abandoned ship but Captain McVeigh I don't think I mentioned his name earlier McVeigh was convicted of um, hazarding his ship by failing to zigzag they the the crew was very respectful of the captain they they loved him they respected him and they did not blame him for this incident. They just needed somebody responsible, and they blamed it on him. It was just so much easier yeah, to blame it on to him. Blame. Yeah, easier to blame it on him than to mm-hmm. admit that it took them five days just to start rescuing people by chance of a pilot flying over the water and noticing people in the water. Yes. Mm. So they obviously suffered ptsd upon returning they turned to alcohol as most men did in that era they suffered from flashbacks and almost the majority of them refused to talk about it for decades they just didn't want to relive it they just pushed it down and never talked about it now, unfortunately, Captain McVeigh committed suicide in 1968 at the age of 70 mm. because he just couldn't deal with the guilt and had he like people would send him hate mail. Ugh, the ones that terrible. lost loved ones blamed him for for their loss. They just, you know, and he couldn't live with it anymore. And he committed suicide. Now, one thing that came out of this in 1996, sixth grade, a sixth grade student um hunter scott began his research on the sinking of indianapolis for a class history project and scott's efforts led to an increase in national publicity which got the attention of retired congressional lobbyist uh, michael monroney who had been scheduled to be assigned to indianapolis before she shipped out on her final voyage so they did have another indianapolis renamed another ship that was named as well. Yeah. The research that this kid did, it demonstrated through analysis that the tactic of zigzagging would not have sp- um, not have spared the Indianapolis from at least, like I said, one torpedo. So this backed up what Hashimoto had originally said during trial. Mm-hmm. And um, Captain McVeigh was exonerated of that and it was put on record. Uh, obviously a little too late for that, but it's still so he was exonerated for the loss of the indianapolis yeah yeah at least it at least it's still there that's or it's shown at least now but yes yeah yes now one of one of the survivors on the documentary had wanted to be buried at sea he said when i when i lose my life i want my i want to be buried at sea with my with my mates and so both Swain mate second class Eugene Morgan got his wish. He died of a heart attack in June, uh, in June of, I'm sorry, I didn't get the year, but he was age 87. Uh, so his grandson, his grandson, um, machinist mate first class Jason Whitty was aboard the USS Ohio submarine and he was able to fulfill his grandfather's wishes by giving him a burial at sea. It's really emotional. I saw the video of it. He um they're on top of the submarine out at sea and he they give him, you know, a full military funeral it was beautiful and he fulfilled his wishes. So it Aww. was it was lovely. 
And on August 19, 2017, a search team financed by Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen located the wreckage of the sunken cruiser in the Philippine Sea, lying at a depth of approximately 18,000 feet. And uh, on December 20th, 2018, the crew of Indianapolis was collectively awarded a Congressional Gold Medal. The survivors were also awarded a Purple Heart. And that is the story of the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. What a roller coaster of emotions. I know. One more thing. So the um the captain of the USS Indianapolis, the new one, they were gonna retire that ship and he invited the survivors to come watch the the decommission of the ship. And I think about fourteen so only like 14 survivors were able to make it of the 30 that were left. And so that was a special moment for them, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. How beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's an awful story. Yeah. I can't get over how this was the mo- the biggest shark attack ever. Yeah. That's insane. That's yeah. it. I... That's, you know, a fear. Uh, grew up. It is my very dad, scary. My dad would love watching Jaws, so um, <laughs> freaking terrified of shark attacks. So, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Could you just imagine floating there and all of a sudden someone next to you to see him, like, just down. Disappear before yeah. your eyes. Yes. Oh it's that thing of being out in open water and not knowing what's below you. Yeah. And if you're, you know, trekking water is exhausting if you don't have anything to hold on to and having to wait on somebody to rescue you and you don't know if someone's going to rescue you. You think you do, you know, and planes flying by and no one's stopping. And then the realization later on that it's like when they get, you know, when they finally get rescued, it's like they didn't know about us. They didn't know about us. I would have been pissed if I was those survivors and... That they blamed the captain over all of this, knowing that they sent out the distress signals and then nobody did anything about it. Yeah. I've been pissed. I mean, like, no, guys. Yeah. You didn't listen to us. Yeah. I mean, the captain survived, too. Yeah. He survived, obviously, like I said, and then later took his life. Mm-hmm. But the, like, the courage it takes to be able to stay alive that entire yeah. time. I couldn't imagine. I'd be be dead right away. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. No food, no water, no sleep, exhaustion, sunburn, sharks. Oh, my God. You know, saltwater crazy. Your shipmates are going insane. Yeah. Fighting each other. Fighting each other. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah. But, you know, this is what I'm here for, to tell you history about history. (laughs) <laughs> to never forget. That's insane disasters that happen in mm-hmm. our military history. It's crazy. Let's I've heard we... of I've heard of the ship, but I just never like actually heard about the story. So that was quite fascinating to hear. Yeah. Jeez. There is a movie out there with Nicolas Cage. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Mainly because I didn't want to. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there is one out there. I don't know how factual it is. I mean, it's right. a movie, so... Right. But the, I highly recommend that documentary on IMDb. It's told by the survivors, which it can't get any more real than that. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. There you go, Jen. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Oh, crazy. Wow. Oh, no. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much, Veronica. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm here to induce nightmares. Uh, it's yeah. my job. Yeah, I'm probably never going to go have, in the water. <laughs> I'm gonna have a nightmare about shark attacks and being stranded in the water. I just know it. It's gonna happen now. Great. My daughter, my daughter. Yesterday, we were watching the documentary, and she came. She came into the living room, and she goes, "What if there's a fire?" I was like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "What if there's a fire in the house? What am I gonna do with my stuffies?" And I was like. Girlfriend, if there's a fire, who cares about anything that's in the house? Get yourself out. 
for safety and she's like but I have my stuffies how will i have my stuffies and i was like who cares like fuck your stuffies like nobody cares you know we need to keep safe and she's like well can i take one and i was like don't you dare stop, stop for one stuffy dare. and she's like what's gonna happen i was like well buy new stuff and she's like well, what if we don't have any money i was like we have insurance it's okay <laughs> we have renters and insurance but she was so distraught just crying Aww. and I was like you need to go to bed calm down and I was like oh no my daughter is me she's me thinking about just the craziest things while I'm in bed it steals my sleep mm-hmm. down the rabbit hole down the rabbit hole oh my god it never ends always yeah. thinking always worried always worried forever worried forever mm-hmm. it never gets better yeah <sighs> I thought I don't know I felt like I was a very anxious person before I had kids. Mm-hmm. Like my anxiety was high. And then when I had kids, I felt more relaxed. But now I only worry about them. Like everything else is fine. They're my anxiety. Like I gave birth to my anxiety. Yes, you manifested. <laughs> you manifested yeah. your anxiety. There it is now in people form. I guess in a way it showed me what really matters. Like nothing else matters. Right. Like I don't care if you have anxiety about talking to these new people. Worry about those littles. Yeah. Yep. Jen, you don't have anxiety. Oh, I have so much anxiety. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Why come? I, I don't know. Where does it come from? I don't know. Who is it about? Everyone. I worry Everyone. about... The lady I talked to and, you know, I'm all super awkward. So every time I talk no, to people, whether I'm friends with them or not, I always think about like, oh, my God, why did you say that? Oh, my God, why would you why would you talk like that? Oh, my God, can you just talk normal? Jesus, Jen, come on now. <laughs> and then so like, crazy, oh, my guys. children, when they go out and play and I'm like, God, please just be safe. Like, don't do anything stupid. Don't run across the road in front of a car. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. I mean, I get that. I get that yeah. too. It's just I have you're anxiety for everything. Oh yes, I am. Are you kidding no, me? You're not. Do you hear me talk? There's times sometimes yes. where words don't come out properly, and I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm awkward. <laughs> no, you're it's not. Horrible, but not because I'm just embracing Fine. it and trying to be me. <laughs> you find people that embrace it with you. I am trying that's to it. find people. That's all you need. Trying. If you know people that are the type of people Jen would like, email us at dependesplaining at gmail.com. Yes, please. Because she needs people. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell me these people. Show me the people. We're now taking applications for people. (laughs) I need people. people. Uh, Not in a creepy way. I need people, too. (laughs) I need people, too. Yeah, no, I need it too. I need to. I need someone who understands my sense of humor. Yeah. Who won't be offended by it. Yes. And uh, who likes to snack and drink. <sighs> That's all I want. I'm not asking for much, Jen. I found you. I know. Uh, yeah. I just need, so I need a person that's just like Veronica yes. here. Okay. Yes. And I need a Jen here. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We're not Somebody asking help. for much. Somebody help me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jen needs somebody who can bring her out of her shell. Mm-hmm. Right? Who push her to do things. Yep. And uh, accept her the way she is because she's fun. And <laughs> love on her children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I make fun of David because that's fun. Ew, David. Yeah, and your your spouse, if you have a significant other, they have to get along with David. They have to and be, understand yeah, they, him. Yeah. They do, and they have to want to hang out all the time. And you have to keep yes, and you have to keep tally of how many times David says "calm down" to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game, and it's pretty fun to see it's how many fun. you can get. Yeah, don't take Every shots because time- <laughs> you will die. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I was like, every time Dave says. Calm down to Jen. Take a shot. Joel. You'll be dead within the hour. (laughs) You'll be on the floor. It's hilarious. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, God. All right, people. 
That's enough of that. My people. This is a battery. Uh, the battery? No, uh, the babbling. Our battery's running low. We need yeah. to charge. Jen's battery is running low. I it's it's almost seven here. That's why I'm like Oh no. I got up super early today too. It was rough. It's a rough day. Oh. Oh no. I know. I just snoozed for like thirty minutes. <laughs> and then I, I was wish like, I could. Fuck, I have to get up and make bean dip for Kyle. Shit. I, yeah. I had to make so a friggin' corn salsa dip for David today. And I was like, damn it. I got so many other things I have to do. do. Yeah. Like sleep. Ah. And drink my coffee until I have to poop. <laughs> yes. In peace. And harmony. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I had to do this morning. I was like, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to um do the bean dip because I had everything done. I just needed it to cool down overnight. So I did that and then I like tweaked my my notes for this morning or for today, which didn't do a very good job because you could hear me stumbling through the entire thing. But try it, people. And then I drank my coffee and then I had to get my kids ready and I had to get myself ready and it was chaos. And luckily everyone was ready on time without me yelling at anybody. So oh and then I and then Kyle's like, I forgot my frozen chicken in the freezer. I was like, oh son of a bitch. So I had to dry, drop it off at the fire station this morning. And then when I got to work, it was downpouring so much. I waited in my car for five minutes to see if it would stop. And I was like, I'm going to be late to work. I'm going to be late to work. I didn't want to get out of my car. But I just ran across the parking lot. I made it. Well, Semi-dry. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. It's a Monday. That's what it is. It's a freaking Monday. It's, mm-hmm, it's Monday. And in our time. In, our, in yeah. our time right now. So my kids have labeled all the days of the week. Mondays are always moody Mondays unless it's mm. the day off. Mm-hmm. And then it's a mega Monday. Tuesdays are tiny Tuesdays because the days are shorter for school. Yes. Tiny yes. Tuesday. I love Wednesday because <laughs> Wednesdays I have, I teach at the gym. So it's where's mom Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. And thir- yeah. Thursdays. I forgot what Thursdays was. Fridays are um Fun Friday, Friday, Friday. Saturdays are snoozy, snoozy Saturdays. Sundays are, I don't know, I can't remember Sundays, but yeah. Wednesdays are always Where's Mom Wednesdays. <laughs> so they've labeled all the days of the week. Fun, fun fact, guys. Don't have a life. <laughs> no. Don't have a life. No. This is it. This is our life. This, you hear it. This is my life. Yeah. You know what our life is. The battery, speaking of battery, my phone is dying too. Oh no. Everything okay. is just chaos, isn't it? It's just lovely. All right, Jen, let's nail this coffin shut then. D- nailing it. Okay. Um, yeah, so don't forget that you can email us at pendisplaining at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Rate and subscribe. Share with your friends. And hope you all have a lovely week. And thanks for sticking it through once again through all of our babbling because here yes. we are again. <laughs> Don't go in the water. Just talking. Yeah. Be careful if you do. Uh, be careful. Proceed with caution. Yes. Because, um, nope, that's not what I want to say. That's and not then, what I uh, want to say. Nope. So don't forget that wherever you go, <laughs> there, there you are. You are. Come on!